Welcome back to the regular exclusive podcast with your favorite hosts, Jace and Renee, as always. Renee, there's been a scandal in the last uh, week or so. I thought you were going to say there's been a murder <laughs> like from the office, but also for what we're talking about. <laughs> Have you heard about this Rotten Tomatoes thing? Uh, briefly, but I don't know really any of the details. So please tell me. So, I mean, it's it's a scandal, but it's not that surprising because, you know, I feel like we've all known this is happening. Um, but came out this week that uh, there are actually PR firms that studios or whoever pay to essentially review bomb their movies to have better scores than what the general public or general critics consensus is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've known that this is a thing with, you know, groups that hate a movie for some reason, usually politically motivated or something they'll go and they'll just review bomb something and hate something. But like there are actual PR firms that, for example, that they point out this movie in particular, they paid to do it. Uh, Ophelia, uh, which uh, was a Daisy, Daisy Ridley movie from 2018. I don't know, never heard of it, but it had a 48% rating. And then after it went up to a 62%. Mm, wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense though. This is, I mean, I I've known that they pay people for reviews all the time. Like all basically my rule of thumb is like when a movie's coming out, if you see the early reviews of what critics are saying and they're like, I can't tell you specifics, but you can just a lot of the times you can really tell, but I'm like, they kind of say the same things for every Marvel show now and every Marvel mm -hmm. movie. And I'm like, then you watch it and you're like, eh, I think they're all being paid by Marvel for sure. <laughs> because like, I just think anyone who's doing the early stuff, technically, I feel like that is usually the stuff that tends to be like paid, like they're paying. Yeah. For that. But well, I agree with you that like, that's fucked up that they would pay for that. I mean, at least they're not doing it to like fucking downvote movies. But I mean, people are doing that on so time. far. Yeah, so far they will. Uh, that's what I'm saying. This is a dangerous practice. But like, I mean, does it matter? Does it matter to the general audience? I'm like, I don't. I just don't understand why the the effort to do that. I think it's like, d does the general audience out there care what the fuck the critics think? They would not care. They're probably looking at the audience score. They should be bombing that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know me, I, I know a lot of people, they will, you know, I'll look up a movie on Rotten Tomatoes before I watch it. And it's not even necessarily like, because I trust the score. It's more so like a curiosity thing, you know, because like, we've talked about several movies that have not scored well on Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah. we still really enjoy Oh, yeah. I don't let that decipher anything. I always look at the audience score. And then also, like, I'm just used to views being skewed anyways, because like on IMDb, it's like if a, like most horror movies, even really good ones like fucking Midsommar, like like Hereditary is like maybe a seven out of ten. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Normally, that would be like ten out of ten. But because yeah. it's horror, it's downvoted like crazy to be way lower. So if I see a horror movie has like a five rating out of ten, I'm like, oh, that must be a good one. Because I'm like, that, like, like four, three. That's when you're getting really iffy. I don't know. They're really low for a reason. But like a five, six, seven. Most times for a regular movie, that's average. But for horror, it's like that's a really good one. I just mm -hmm. find that that thing is always skewed. So I try and I tend to just like 
not use that as my basis. But I just feel like the most general people who are going to movies, they probably would care more about the audience score if they even looked. Yeah, well, you're probably right. But it is, you know, it's something just that it's actually been discovered. Like, it's not like this is probably happening. It's like, no, this is definitely happening. We have evidence. And the real, the real crime of it all is that studios would rather pay a PR firm to fake movie scores than to just pay their writers. To so. actually write good movies. I know. <laughs> it's really stupid. That's actually a great point to be taking away from all this. Thank you for bringing that up. Because, <laughs> again, fuck the studios. We like the movies. But that's not because of you. You guys are the ones that ruin these things. Yeah. So th that's the real murder. So that's my transition to let's talk about these murder mystery movies. <laughs> If there was a murder, what is going on? Then there was a murderer. The murderer is with us. And every one of you is a suspect. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. All right, so before we get to Death on the Nile, we have to talk about this documentary that we watched. So for everyone listening, we watched the documentary on Max called House of Hammer, which you told me originally that it was called Hammer Time. And I, I was just trying to think of the name and I thought maybe it's Hammer Time. <laughs> I think that's a much better name. <laughs> Not for the doc. The documentary is pretty fucked. I would say House of Hammer is really fitting. Hammer Time sounds fun. This move, this documentary didn't sound so fun. Yeah. So we did this because, you know, you can't talk about death on the Nile without mentioning the army hammer situation that happened. The army hammer of it all, because it was like, that's the reason that this movie got pushed back so much and like was like, didn't do that well. I mean, I'm I was honestly surprised to see that there was a third one coming out, like when I saw the trailer, because I was like, oh, I mean, I know it was still like kind of because of covid, too, but. I mm -hmm. just was like the second one did I didn't think made as much money. So mm -mm. and people didn't like it as much. So I was like, huh, okay. And then they just made another one. But I'm like, I mean, I'm happy. I like these movies, but I thought the Army Hammer might be like, oh, he's gonna kill this franchise now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after watching the documentary, I get it. Cause that guy is like, I didn't know all these details. And if you haven't watched the documentary, you absolutely have to because it's literally like insane. It's like Game of Thrones level fucked up shit that this family's into they're like the lannisters on crack they're 10 times worse <laughs> sorry a million it's it's the craziest like celebrity shit documentary that i've seen like since surviving r kelly like yeah it's dark and totally fucked and it goes way beyond army like this this is a documentary about his whole family has the evil gene like it's passed down. Literally, the it's, it's fucked it's up. I was like, is evilness fucking hereditary? Like, I didn't <laughs> know that. But like, it sounds like all the men in this, like they all have the fucking disease because they were all just brought up that way. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, it's probably not a fucking genetic thing. It's because <laughs> of the way that they were all raised in this fucked up environment where women are just I, objects. But it's like. I like one thing that it really made me like, I know people always love to just fucking attack the victims who come out. And like, mm. obviously there's times where that should be called into question. Like that's what I thought was really interesting with the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Cause there mm. was like a lot of cases, like or most cases it's like, 
you know, there there isn't that question. But a lot of people do it. But you're just like, oh, they're just being fucking sexist. Yeah. But with this, I was like, these women who came forward about Army Hammer, thank God they did that because they stopped his whole family now, probably from ever being able to do this again, at least in this country. I imagine they're probably doing it in some other horrible, like they're doing some horrible <laughs> shit in some other small country that doesn't have the means to to block this. <laughs> uh, last I heard, uh, Army Hammer is like selling timeshares on the Cayman Islands or something. <laughs> like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they're not going to be doing the same shit that they were doing. Like, yeah. that, but it's great because, like, I feel like normally, like, you know, somebody who gets canceled, it's like, okay, it's their behavior. But this was literally like his entire family had been doing this forever. And thank God that these women came forward about him because that's what made it like interesting i hate that that's like one of the things that is true about the doc but they're like once he was the cannibal the cannibal thing got everyone to watch and pay attention mm -hmm. and interested which is fucked because the book by the ant had been out forever about all the fucked up shit that they did and nobody yeah. cared until he was a cannibal and now it's like i mean at least the one good thing is that now people actually cared about it and found all this shit out and it's like public knowledge and he's never coming back there's no way he'll ever come back from that <laughs> yeah so, yeah, I mean, we have to keep our conversation really specific to Army, because if we start going through the three episodes, that's going to be this whole podcast. But so yeah. funny thing, I so like I didn't I, I never really knew who Army Hammer was like. I knew he was the guy from the social network. That's pretty much it. He blew my mind in that movie originally because I was like, he's not fucking twins in real life. That was <laughs> one dude. I thought that was crazy. And then they also like. I feel like I really, I mean, people didn't like it apparently, but I enjoyed the Lone Ranger. But mm. like, yeah, he's never been like number one guy. Like even in the doc, they're like, he started off pretty hot and then just mm. kind of went to like nowhere and then really came back with Call Me By Your Name, which I still have yet to see. Mm. I don't know but how I feel about a cannibal making out with Timothy Chalamet. I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm worried about him in that movie now. Well, wasn't the, <laughs> wasn't the director for Call Me By Your Name, isn't that the same guy who did... <laughs> uh bones and all yep and he was asked about that and had to say no this is not about army hammer which i mean i guess kind of close because it is like i mean you got timothy chalamet in the movie and it's about cannibal romance which like if i guess that is kind of i don't know how army hammer would classify himself he's definitely a fucking i would say serial killer if he hasn't killed a woman he probably like i'm sure he has he's got to there's got to be somewhere like fucked up in his closet that he's he's done that he seemed like it the way i understand it is that he has a cannibal fantasy yeah like but the way he, he was talking about it was like really upsetting like he sounded like he was pretty specific about the ideas that he had and like yeah. i don't know where he got the ideas to do this but like i mean even if he's not actually doing it there was like parts where they were talking about how a woman was tied up and screaming and crying and he was like fucking attacking her and threatening her with a knife like and saying how powerful he felt like that's just fucked also i mean this is just privilege i would say but the way that he's just so brazen with messaging all these women this crazy shit yeah, just without thinking about trail. it and even doing those videos on his other social media account of him like doing drugs and all this other shit mm -hmm. it just was like really weird i'm like i hate this guy even more now because he just sucks. Like, I was like, he has all this privilege. He thinks he's untouchable. I'm really glad that this happened because, like, I didn't realize the depth of his fucking evil shit that he was into. I thought he was just, like, having cannibal fantasies and, like, being a fucked up person or abusing women. But, like, 
this is some psychological shit and physical shit and like really fucked up just yeah. like really dark yeah like the when so like when i when i first heard about like army hammer's a cannibal I mean, I, I didn't care about Army Hammer, so like I didn't dig into the research, but I, I thought it was just like kind of an internet meme thing. Like there was some DM and became. he said something about, you know, yeah. so then like it became a thing, you know, a, a joke. And mm -hmm. the documentary, how it lays out all the factual stuff, the DMs, the voice memos, everything the pattern too of how he did this with all these different women at the same time or was trying yeah. like it was literally like to the point exactly the same i was same. like oh my god what that yeah. i thought that was just a dumb internet thing but no nope. yeah that's what i'm saying man it's hard to trust fucking actors i mean and it's sad because the women it's like i totally get it you're like i'm with a fucking really hot actor who's famous and he like like is being so sweet and nice that like it would be hard to tell him no compared to just like a rando dude who wanted to do weird shit like you're yeah. more inclined to go along with whatever army hammer wants because he's fucking army hammer not that he was like brad pitt mm -hmm. but like close enough that's like the closest i would ever get to fucking a brad pitt he's kind like, of on his on his way he <laughs> was know, like... yeah it's like and he was just on the up and up again and doing good and i just i it was really disturbing to watch this whole thing really and i'm glad that i did because i had not realized all of the stuff yeah i mean it after watching the doc like i totally understand why studios essentially just like edited him out of all the promotional marketing material like i'm honestly surprised they didn't cgi replace him because they did that in um on like a netflix movie like that fucking army of the dead mm -hmm. there was like some guy in it originally who like filmed the whole thing but then he got canceled so they like replaced him with another with an actress who was playing his role and she played it in the whole movie and they just cgi'd her in so she shot it all separate and I was like, I mean, not that that's like the way to do it, but like, I feel like it might have been better for Death on the Nile because I feel like that was what bogged it down. And also, like, because of everything that came out before that movie came out, like with Army Hammer, mm -hmm. it was really hard to watch this movie and not be just totally distracted by him and yeah. like worried about what he's doing. And also, I didn't trust the guy from the fucking beginning. <laughs> Plus, He's barely in the movie. Thank God. So, I think they probably cut him way back. But also, like, he's still in it a lot. Like, they could have fucking edited him out, is all I'm saying. Yeah, like, I, I, the whole time watching the movie, I was wondering, I was like, how many scenes did they edit out that were, like, Army Hammer scenes? Because, like, he's in the beginning, and he's at the very end. He's not really. He's not Thank really. God. Anywhere he's in not the in the middle. middle. We don't need him. Well, he gets. He's like injured. So perfect. Take him off the table. But so should we get into the movie now? Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah, if you um, if you have not seen Death on the Nile or you're not even interested in it, you should watch this documentary because, wow, it's it's. And if wild. you're not interested, I mean, watch Death on the Nile <laughs> after that and you're going to see like they're like literally all the evidence that you saw in the doc. You can see it in the fucking movie. That's all I can <laughs> I don't feel safe with any of that. There are so many conflicting hates and jealousies. Oh, I like this. Did you see or hear anything? I did not trust her. I still don't. What did you do last night? You accused me of murder. He accuses everyone of murder. It is a problem, I admit. All right, so... Um... Death on the Nile and Murder on the Ori Orient Express. 
Uh, this is the timing of these movies is is kind of interesting because essentially these movies are just fighting with uh, with Ryan Johnson and Knives Out because like but both movies have come out around the same time, like the same, and they're the they're the two people that are doing that are doing murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I agree. Like, I think it's like weird that they came out around the same time, but I kind of like that. Cause it's like, I almost felt like with glass onion also being like in a tropical kind of like setting on an Island. And like this one being like on the Nile on a boat, it kind of mm-hmm. was like, well, they're both off doing in a better place this time, instead <laughs> of like, you know, the cold and like snowy or like a you yeah. know, Gothic house or whatever. And like the train from the first, and I'm like, they both traded for a warmer client, but still there's murders. That's the thing. <laughs> I also just wonder, like, man, every detective, like, I love de- like ongoing detective stories where like he keeps dealing with more cases, but I just feel like in these movies too, it's really like a great part of why I love Poro is because like with the way Kenneth Branagh plays him, it's like he's always just trying to fucking chill and do nothing. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to do anything. He just wants to eat his treats and his food and just <laughs> Like live it like the most basic boring life, but like everywhere he goes, people are murdering other people, <laughs> and it's just like gotta be the worst. Like I always <laughs> am like, this guy can't catch a fucking break. He gets invited on a fucking vacation. People kill people. I mean, it's just like, what is the deal? <laughs> that that was the thing that I noticed in the two movies is that both movies, uh, Poro is forced to be the detective. Like he, he tries to. not to be, but it's like, oh, then the then the train crashes and someone dies. So now he has to do it. They're on it. a boat on vacation. Someone dies. He has to investigate. And it's I like- do love that because I think they bring up at least I think it's Book who's like my other my one of my favorites from these two movies. I think he's just so great in both of these movies. I love that character. <laughs> Book is the best. But I, I really enjoy the fact that he's like he he noticed or he he's the one that kind of convinces him and like especially in the in murder on the orient express he's like if you don't figure it out they're just gonna pin it on either the black guy or you know the last Mm -hmm. guy the guy with the name marquez just because his name is marquez like and it's like okay yeah and it's true because he's the only one who can bring justice and Mm -hmm. i really like that i think he's like the he's basically like every other superhero story is kind of very similar where it's like, I don't want to be this person, but I'm going to be, and I'm going to save the day, but I don't mm-hmm. want to be. And it's like, because he just wants to have a life too. You forget about these people who are like really talented at one thing. They just want to fucking chill, man. They mm-hmm. don't want to use their talent all the time. And I love that he, in the first movie, he talks about how it's like almost a curse, not really a gift, mm-hmm. but everyone looks at him like, Oh my God, you're so talented and you're so smart. But he's like, I just see the world like, I see how the world should be perfectly and that the imperfections stand out. So that's how mm-hmm. I'm so good. He's like, it's actually like really frustrating to live with. Like it really makes most of life really uh, not good. Like I, that's like OCD, right? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. If that's what you noticed really well, you'd be a great detective. And that's why he's like, it's great for solving murders, but like <laughs> for my regular day, it's not that great. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the knives out equivalent of that scene is when in glass onion, um, when he's talking about how he's really bad at simple games. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. It's a dumb game. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I think that the, one of the other reasons I love Poro is that he has a little bit of like, and I think Benoit Blanc obviously probably took it from this character. Cause he's been like established in all these Agatha Christie novels and other adaptations. But 
I really enjoy the fact that he's like funny and he has like mm-hmm. a sense of humor. And I love that like Benoit Blanc, that's one of my favorite things about him. And like, I think that's one of the coolest things for like a detective because they're normally so serious. I mean, we just mm-hmm. are watching the Saw movies and they're just so fucking serious. Like it's insane, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, I love that. Like these guys are like, you know, like in Death on the Nile when he, they're like, you just accuse me of murder. And then Book's like, oh, he does that to everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it is like, it's it's funny. I just like, I think it's a unique take on the detective. I love the OCD thing of bringing mm-hmm. that in because there's somebody who has that also. But I mean, just in general, it makes sense that like that's part of it. And I think that they really establish it in great ways that's not like typical to most OCD like representation Mm -hmm. i feel like people are always like oh they just like things clean or like they have all these ideas of what it is but he's like it's not the cleanliness it's like the unevenness i need everything Mm -hmm. to be even and like match and that's like why he steps in the poop when he has it on one one shoe and he's like it's it's because it's not the same now (laughs) and i think that's interesting i you know it's hard to not compare the two but the thing that i really like and i like that they came out at the same time is they're both murder mysteries, but the style of both of them is so different. So it's like, you know, the murder on the Orient, it's like, it's, it's more of, it's a, it take place like in the thirties, you know? So it's like an older style. So like, if you like those movies, then like, you'll probably like that more than, you know, if the, the modern setting of like knives out or glass onion and also like, yeah, where they take place, you know, knives out there. They both take place in one central location. The murder and death on the Nile, they both take place on one central location, but they're, they're like their vehicles, you know? So there, there is a difference to it. There's not the familiarity of being at, at your home or something like that. Yeah. It's you like know, what but, Book says when he's like, it's like all these strangers pressed up against each other for six days and they all they have in common is the need to travel. And it's like, it's exciting. Like anything yeah. could happen. And I'm like, I, it is funny. I'm like, I, I was shocked to hear that the third one, A Haunting in Venice, was not like on an airplane or something because mm-hmm. I was like, I just assumed that all these murders happen on forms mm-hmm. of travel. But that's kind of what what's great is that it's not like the case that he's like, the big case for a detective normally. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I like about these movies is they're like, they're like these random cases that pop up when he's traveling to deal with another case or yeah. to do or to go on vacation. And then he ends up like having to solve a really in, like, I mean, these murders are super complex, both of them. <laughs> I think yeah. they both have really good twist endings, which I think is also something that you need to nail in a murder mystery like Knives Out and Glass Onion. I think mm. they both really do that. They're different, though, because they kind of give you a little bit halfway through where you think you solved it. But mm. then they're like, no, wait, just kidding. Everything you thought was a lie. Yeah. I love that. But these movies, it's more like they really keep you guessing, I think, until the last second. Yeah, well, in the first one, especially like apparently the world just needed some murder mysteries in 2018 because both this and Knives Out just smashed. They both had around the same budget of 50 million dollars and they both did over 300 million worldwide. So like people are ready. It's been a minute since we had another good one. I mean, I would also like like say that I think the Scream movies are technically murder mysteries and I really enjoy them for that aspect mm-hmm. of that. I mean, I enjoy them for every aspect, but that's <laughs> one of the things that I really like about those is like technically it's Ghostface, but like it could be anybody and it's always a murder yeah. mystery, right? So yeah. that's, I feel like that was the only other thing that was like going. I mean, we've had other ones that come out, but not like a full series. Like 
this and Knives Out, like turning into like a whole like franchise is pretty great. Yeah. And, you know, they have higher budgets than any of the Scream movies, but this is definitely more accessible than a horror mystery. You're like, yeah, you got to be a horror fan to get to, to love Scream. But like this, like anybody, like anybody can go and see these movies. And that's why they did so well. Yeah. Um, did you? And so do you want to talk about like, what are your thoughts on Murder on the Orient Express? Because before we did this episode, I was like, I know you don't love that one. But I thought Death on the Nile was good, even though people didn't love it. I get that there's Army Hammer. I don't like that. But I think it's still pretty good. And I was curious why you didn't love the first one. And if you changed your opinion since you rewatched it. So I did change my mind. Really? Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be straightforward with you. I don't love murder on the Orient Express. Can you explain yourself? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. Um, Kenneth Branagh is wonderful at the acting as well as the directing. Really like, good directing. The production value for both movies is there. It's awesome. Like, the shots around the train, like the sets, they all they all look great. Um, as a man who has committed a large portion of my identity to my mustache, I love poor mustache. I'm jealous, very jealous of that mustache. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he has. I would say the definitive cinematic mustache. Now mm -hmm. it's extreme, and I love it. It couldn't look better. I mean, the mustache gets its own origin story. That's in what I'm the saying. second one. We've, I, I was so shocked. I, we'll talk about that. But I was like, I never thought we'd fucking get an origin story for a mustache. But <laughs> Jesus, that was emotional. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, am I crying about a goddamn mustache right now? Yep. <laughs> uh, the the cast in the first one is all star. Like it's got everyone in it and they're all really good. So here's here's the thing. Ugh, it's not Johnny Depp, is it? I'll kill you. No, if that's no, it. no Johnny Depp barely is barely in the movie. <laughs> so I think this is a me problem. I think it's because I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> I it's a second. It's a secret second case inside of a case. Is that the problem is like the whole Armstrong case? Daisy Armstrong, that whole secret thing that like becomes the whole case, right? Like it's kind of like as, complex. I was <laughs> as I was watching the movie, I I remembered the ending and like how that all goes. It's pretty so memorable. I was, <laughs> I was interested in watching it again, knowing the ending, like seeing the pieces. I could not for the life of me sort out the web of the individual characters and how they're tied to it and why they're important at all. I, I, I could just, tell I, you everybody on the list and who <laughs> they are in relation to the original crime, but I don't think we need to do that. But like, I get it. I've watched it a bunch more than you have, but I find it is more complex than the average murder mystery because it's referring to another case that like mm -hmm. we don't know about. We weren't as that. It wasn't like a, a flashback yeah. at the beginning or anything that was yeah. like something that you figure out and then it's like a huge cast of characters that are all connected in some way mm -hmm. but i love that that's the twist i think it's a really unique one where it's like not any one of you could have done it it had to be it was all of you it's like wow that's fucked and i was like it's a pretty great incredible twist like i didn't know it was coming because i hadn't seen the original and read the book but 
I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. So I like, yeah, like just, I agree. I think it's a very unique and interesting twist. I just speaking for myself, I just, maybe it's, it's I'm dumb or the delivery, just some things didn't click. And so it took away from, you know, kind of the point of a murder mystery is to get to the reveal and like what happens, but like, Everything else, there's a lot of really good things about this movie. So, like, I can watch this movie and even not even understanding like what's going on. <laughs> I'm just, just like, watch it a few more times than I think you'll get it. But I honestly, Jace, I think you said it. You nailed it when you said, it. "I think I'm just dumb." I think that's got to be it. No offense, <laughs> but it's like I think this movie. Thank is you pretty for clear. coddling me. Thank you for comforting. You know, going I'm easy. I'm just trying on me. to keep it real, man. I love you, but. I think you might be an idiot because that <laughs> one is like really, I feel like he explains it really well, but like, I get it. There is a lot of moving pieces, but just watch it a few more times and I think you'll catch on. But like, I felt like death on the Nile was just as complicated. No, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so granted, like, there like, is like, less of a serious like murder or like s- second case to add to it and like way less characters, but <laughs> these, I guess maybe it's just the whole, Agatha Christie of it well, is more complicated. There was a second case in murder. And I got that. Yeah. Oh, I know. But I'm just saying <laughs> that like, like literally everybody's connected. It's like, it's really hard. I understand. It's a lot to keep track of. You're not that dumb. I'm sure that most people, but hey, most people like this movie better than Death on the Nile. So maybe you are dumb. I don't know. I, I, I'm i <laughs> pretty open to ex- accepting when I'm dumb. I think hey. it's one of, I think it's one of my best traits is self-awareness. I so yeah, <laughs> I agree. But you said it. I'm just repeating and saying, yeah, hey, I think you might be right. <laughs> also, though, I think this does tie back to I'm not a huge fan of period pieces. Mm, that's probably it see and, i enjoy that see like the only period piece movie that i love is pride and prejudice uh, it's yeah. a weird thing and, and little women i love that too really period pieces revolving around sisters that's my jam yeah um, pervert you are <laughs> i would say that like i just really love old movies in general and i love the like 20s 30s like that whole vibe and like mm. It's a little bit later in Death on the Nile, but it still has very much that same vibe. And like, that's why Book is one of my favorites. I'm just like, this guy's out of a fucking talkie from back (laughs) in the day. Like, I just feel like the way he talks so fast and like says so much and like even his voice, it's just like he nailed it. Uh, I I did. I did love Book. Yeah. I mean, you love Book. Okay, good. Kenneth Branagh and Book. Like they are. They're the ones. I mean, everyone else is 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 very good in this. Um, Mm -hmm but I just couldn't keep up. <laughs> That's okay. Death on the Nile, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little less complicated, but let's, let's jump into that one. Yeah. So death on the Nile. I mean, that this is m- murder mystery for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed death on the Nile. Really? I, I was not expecting it. I think th- I definitely was like a uh, army hammer. Uh, not a biggest fan of the first one. No, I actually really enjoyed it. And the thing and I can tell you why I enjoyed it. It's very specific because it's the reason I didn't enjoy the first one as much. I thought the characters and their motivations and who they were as individuals, like not just pieces, I thought was much better in Death on the Nile. They're a bit more. I feel like there's standouts from the first one, but it's like not everybody gets the same treatment. You're right. Because like I love Willem Dafoe, but like he's barely used in that movie and he mm-hmm. gets like a couple lines and I'm like, 
we could have like cut down some of the cast and had him be way better, you know? I mean, he's just so great. But I, so I agree with you on that. The characters get to actually be real more characters in this one. And I feel like it also is weird because the first one, I feel like the murder happens, what, within 20 minutes, 30 it's minutes pretty, of the yeah, movie? pretty quick. Pretty quick. This one, it's like you get there's first a... off the origin story of the mustache, which is wonderful. And then you get the like, there's a long time with the whole group before a murder even happens. And then on top of that, you get more murders than just one, mm-hmm. which is cool. Not yeah. that like, oh, it's like a horror sequel. They got to up the body count, but like kind of. <laughs> A little bit. They did. I feel like it was that was a big shock because I was expecting it to just be one dead body like the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, uh, quick side note. Uh, this is the second movie that uh, has had a no man's land scene with Gal Gadot. I mean, Gal Gadot wasn't in the no man's land. I was going to say, she but... wasn't in that fucking scene. That was like <laughs> back in the day. But I really love that it's like he has this big scar on his face and that's why he wears the mustache and i thought that they really developed poro's character throughout these movies to like i just am so in love with him i'll watch any movie that he does because i really enjoy the character and the way that he's portrayed i think Mm -hmm. it's just really like you can tell that fucking kenneth Branagh loves this character yeah he loves him he gets him he's he's the perfect character for kenneth Branagh. like yeah. kenneth Branagh loves all of this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. yeah he does it perfectly um that when they first started doing the the mustache origin i thought the guy was the mustache i was like is that a young poor like he's just always had the mustache and then we see him and i'm like oh, okay okay yeah oh so he i love that though i'm like so there's a lot of things to this it's not just to cover the scar that guy had a really big mustache and also i think people gave him have Kenneth Branagh a lot of like shit about it in the first one they're like that mustache is out of control and like really insane but he said that that's like he goes they mention it like 20 times in that book and he's like I'm just saying if she's bringing that much attention to it it's probably a fucking dramatic mustache and I was like now that I can agree with and it is it's a great mustache though he rocks it well I I think that there's a there's an example of like maybe not everything totally adapts from writing to a book because in the first one his mustache is out of control like it goes out to his ears like yeah well it's then, cool it's so curls the, it's I, like old timey i liked though in the second one they they toned it down they pulled it in a little bit you could see his face it's just not all stash yeah. <laughs> but they did cut it a still, little bit it's still a dramatic stash yeah i mean it should be i mean that's like what most people are like i don't necessarily remember your face but i remember this the mustache <laughs> like that's yeah. the thing that you remember with this guy oh uh, um but uh yeah so that was good, and then yeah, we get the whole setup of um, we see we see the cannibal himself, and boy, that scene is is it's a little uncomfortable. I There's was like, a couple of uncomfortable scenes with Army Hammer and women in this movie, and you're like, they talked about that in the doc. He was touching him like that, and his hands were on her hip, and I was like, Jesus! Like just thinking about what I just had seen in that documentary, I was like. I don't know who this guy is, but I don't trust this character. I mean, I know who Army Hammer is, but I don't know what character he's playing. I don't trust him at all. <laughs> like, I feel like that kind of ruins a little bit of the movie because of like the twist at the end. But and we'll get mm. there. But I do kind of feel like I just automatically was like, ooh, <laughs> like, really disturbed by him. But I really loved the performance of Emma Mackey, who was like the one Jacqueline. Is that Jackie? Was, yeah, Jackie Jacks. 
The one that was like with him at the beginning and then he Mm -hmm. meets Gal Gadot and then gets married. And I love that whole plot line because you really like believe it for a long Mm -hmm. time that like, I mean, Gal Gadot, obviously she's fucking Wonder Woman. She's gorgeous. And like then they get married and then this chick's like stalking them. And I thought that that was a really interesting murder mystery where they're not always. I mean, this was like more of an ongoing one because murder hadn't even happened yet. But you're like, so you're kind of not sure who's going to die. Mm hmm. I I wanted to ask you if you agree with this. First time I saw her, I thought um, she looked like if you smash Margot Robbie and Helen Bottom Carter, smash yeah, them together, you get totally. her. It's funny. She was in Barbie, actually. She was physicist Barbie. And oh, nice. she was saying that, like, she put on a blonde wig one day because, like, her and Margot Robbie would always hear that they look alike. And then she put on, like, a blonde wig and then they were standing next to each other and like, wow, we don't look alike at all. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, because she's, like, part Margot Robbie. But, yeah, she's got a little something crazy in there. And I think you're right about the Elena Monum Carter. She's was, got a little was, bit of that vibe. When, when, when Gal Gadot and Army Hammer get together, like, that look, she gets that Helen Bottom Carter, yeah. like, glare like she's really good in this movie it's like i loved her i loved her i think outside of um i think she's my third favorite like third favorite performance of the movie oh i think Um, she's like the best perform i mean i think she gives the best performance of the movie like i was like damn who is this i mean outside of kenneth Branagh. Well, yeah, obviously, because that's, that's Rose is perfect. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, him and Book, I'm just going to say they're my favorites. But like, I thought this chick was like the standout of all the other actors where I was like, damn. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm going to agree with you on that because she is utilized more than the other people that I'm thinking. Like, and she's just really talented, like mm-hmm. just her and fucking Poro talking about like how it's like the heart is like the organ with love because like if it stops beating you die and I'm like I just I was like I really just I was mesmerized by her on on screen every time I thought she was really good yeah but she's great in the opening scene because like you really feel like she is in love with Army Hammer that whole club scene though I was super confused by because like Army Hammer and her like they're borderline fucking I on know the floor. those dance moves I was like those can't be dance moves from back then that would have been the most <laughs> shocking I mean granted we did see Babylon so maybe that's I, actually not well, too far off I was gonna say I then looked at the other people dancing and they were dancing the same way and I'm like is this Babylon yeah this what? must have been the same time what and then Gal Gadot comes into the mix and she's like take take her out to thank her with a dance and like he just picks her up and like puts her crotch in his face and like she's ready to do like a a triangle choke on him like yeah it was like very intense i was like wow but like you still kind of buy it that where you're like this is strange but like i feel like obviously like this was a bad move to have them dance together but like you're like oh that sucks and then you really feel for this girl throughout the whole movie Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck Gal Gadot. Because you're like, I feel like every girl also has like known somebody like that. Who's like, yeah, I'm so sorry I hurt you. But like, I'm not sad that I did this. It's like, fuck you, bitch. Just because somebody <laughs> else has something doesn't mean you need it. And also, I just don't think Gal Gadot is a great actress. I think she's really pretty and she's fine. But like, I just don't think she's got the chops, man. Yeah, I would agree with you. Like, yeah, she she's a she's she's a look 
Like she, yeah. she's the perfect she look and demeanor for like Wonder Woman, and she's also uh, perfect at being a princess. You know, but I, or I a just feel like, or whatever. Yeah, but I felt like it was like Wonder Woman worked because she was like an alien and she didn't know anything, mm. and so she was like, kind of like just, naive. Yeah, and I'm like, that just feels like that's her only character, and so which is fine. But like, I'm just like, she's just attractive, and I get it, and it was fine. It, she was the perfect person for this role, honestly. But I did not expect her to be the one that died because I was like, wow. I just I guess I thought it was going to be I didn't know who it would be. So I I wasn't expecting it, but I did. I wasn't totally surprised because. Like in Murder on the Orient Express, he kills the most famous person, mm-hmm. you know, and so in this one, I'm like. Of this cast, Gal Gadot is definitely the most famous. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, but like uh, they they draw like they 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 draw out the kill long enough to where like you you get you know a connection to to her and Army's relationship, and you know you kind of think this is going to revolve around, and then so when she does die, it's like eh, oh okay, I wasn't totally sure about that, but mm-hmm. and then it's like. I think that they really the the way that this is a good mystery because normally like once she dies you would be like okay so it was either Army Hammer or the girl that was like in love with him and then you're like oh but they both have alibis for the whole night and they were with other people and I'm like that's the reason that it's a great murder mystery is because they really set you up into thinking it's going to be her shooting one of them and she even mm-hmm. shoots Army <clears throat> Hammer but like it's it's this whole big thing that that's just a front and that's what you're I love that you see basically what Poro sees too. So from the uh, six weeks later scene and them getting married, I'm like, Army Hammer did it. I'm like he in real life and in the movie, he's the killer because I mean, he they got they eloped. He, he broke off his engagement, eloped with a, is she a She's is she a duchess or something? Yeah, she's some got a royalty. Fuck ton of money. I was like, yeah, he's doing it for the money. So then, if he kills her, he has the most to gain. And even though he has an alibi, like, let's let's be real. It's Army Hammer. That's the it's thing. Army. That this normally would be a great thing if you had somebody like, like maybe a Justin Long, like how great he was in Barbarian, because yeah. you like kind of want to believe that he's the good guy still. And then it's like, oh, he's really the bad guy. It would have been good. And I feel like Army Hammer's like, like at that scene when they find her body and he's just crying. I was like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I know he did it because I was like, you don't. I mean, it kind of felt like a scene, like a one of the things in I think it was Mindhunter where they're like interviewing this guy and he's like crying so much about his girlfriend dying. And they're like, I just feel like I was really uncomfortable with the crying. And he's like, well, his girlfriend died. And it's like, yeah, but I just feel like it was like it was made me uncomfortable, which is like that usually means that it's like not real. Right. That means they're faking it because like you just feel off about it. Yeah. I don't know. And so I just I did not trust him. I think that kind of dampens the murder mystery of it. But I still think it's a good twist. And I still think Mm -hmm. there's not. I mean, obviously, I never would have called all of that. But I I, I didn't call like the details. I'm like, somehow Army Hammer did it. (laughs) Yeah. I just know that he's guilty from frame one that he's in. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't totally expect. Um that it was spoiler alert that it was a it was it was a two person job that they had set it up yeah that they were 
they were still in love. Yeah, he and... did sell it like he hated her. And then you're like, man, they really sold it. They were good little actors for most of it, but didn't count on Poirot there, yeah. you know? And I do love that there's like multiple people that get killed throughout the thing, too. Because it's like the other one, you know, the killer's still there because they're planting evidence and like stabbing people, whatever. But like this one is like, no, like there's a fucking like when they find uh, which shout out to uh, what's her face. Like Rose Leslie um, mm. from Game of Thrones. I always love her. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say Egret, but um, and also cute little French accent she's doing. And I thought like when they find her body there, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. there's another fucking dead one. And then then it really just tops off with Book dying. And I was so Book. mad. Boo to Book dying. That was really <laughs> bummer. I was so mad. I thought. Kenneth Branagh was perfect in that scene. Like Book dies, and that's like his best friend. And like you see a moment where he's just devastated, but then he goes back to detective mode and chases after the person. Like I thought that was, I thought it was really and good. The whole thing of like, well, Book would say, well, then play your clever little games and ask your questions until the right one comes. <laughs> okay, so I will. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, but that's what sucks. I'm like, I want to see. I'm excited about the third one, but I'm like, no, Book. Like he was just a really un like ra- like totally random character. I feel like that was just thrown into these movies, but he's incredible, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And I was like, I liked him even more in the second one, so I was just really disappointed. Like, why couldn't like Russell Brand have died? He sucked. He was Dude, served no purpose except to be a wet blanket. That was the weirdest thing. Like seeing Russell Brand, I'm like, I don't think I've seen a movie where Russell Brand doesn't play himself. Like I've only seen forgetting Sarah Marshall and get him to the Greek and he is just playing himself. But like, so it was really weird. And I kept waiting to like, see him not be Russell Brand. And then it turns out he really only has lines in like one scene. That one scene. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, cause I remember that from the trailer and I even thought it was a weird line delivery. He was like, what do you want me to say? And it's just like, just stop. I don't know. I just really didn't like him. And I know it's funny that you didn't also because I was wondering if you would because you tend to like those things when people are like trying something different or they've always if been in comedy. Good at it. If they're good at it or they've always been in drama and they go to comedy. It's like if they're good at it. But like this was a you're not good at this, man. Nobody. And also, like, where the fuck has he been? I'm, I'm pretty sure that like people don't like him. Like he's doing some podcasts and he's kind he's- of a dick. He's the Joe Rogan of of London. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, I mean, he was great in forgetting Sarah Marshall and get him to the Greek, but that was it. I mean, I think this was like, just felt like casting from like 10 years ago, he would be in this movie. And it felt weird that he was in this movie in 2022. I know it was like technically like 2020 when it was originally maybe going to come out, but like still. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't watch this movie without thinking how much did they edit out army hammer because like they took him out of the trailer and i'm wondering i was like was there a couple scenes where like army hammer and russell brand talk to each other yeah because they have like a lot of they talk shit about each other in like a few scenes later and you're like i didn't even see them interact they're like oh, i'm not happy he's here and it's like well you didn't say that ever <laughs> yeah because russell brand like his his thing is he's the ex mm-hmm which is, is they never really explain like so why did why did they invite him like are they still in touch like what what's going on there I know I think it was more like that they were like a like their parents wanted them to get married and so they were engaged but like she didn't think it was like mm-hmm. they they both didn't love each other is what she thought yeah. and then and he, he really he was like, in love with her and he was like a he was like a 
a, a traveling doctor. Like yeah, like you, he went off and did medicine like, in other countries. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to do my there. honeymoon in a mud hut or something. Which, like, I mean, fucking, I would say the same shit. <laughs> I know you're helping people, but I'm not going to go live in Africa for like fucking my life. Um, but like, just I would not do well. I, I, one thing I really like, just the whole theme of this movie, I think, is love which is mm-hmm. fucked up that Army Hammer's in it. <laughs> yeah. But I would say that, like, I really love it because of the idea of, like, the, um, like, him, Poro also being, like, kind of falling in love again. And, like, mm-hmm. the first movie, the, you know, they talk about how he had been in love and it didn't work out. And then we find out, like, kind of more about why and that she died. And and I really love uh, the Salome Otterborn character and, like, mm-hmm. their whole, like, flirtation. And I think oh, yeah. it's just, like, really sweet. And I was like really into their relationship. Like I, I was invested like pretty quickly. Yeah, I loved her. She was my my other favorite performance. She was so good. I didn't love um, the chick who played Rosalie, her niece the, from, from, uh, the from Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah, I know she's also oh Letitia Wright or whatever her name is. Yeah, I know that she's also like an anti-vax kind of asshole, but I just didn't think she was that great of an actor. I don't know. Uh, I thought she was all right. But I mean, that that that's that she wasn't great. She was all right. I I wanted to mention one other thing that made me suspicious of Army Hammer. Was, was when that? was when Poro is like, just go home. And he's, and he's like, like, no, he's like, we've spent so much money here to do this. It's like, dude. You married royalty like you got money you're fine just get out of there it's like, like yeah it's like that should be suspicious but that's what's really great is that with these movies too i just i really enjoyed that like those little things that you kind of just like don't even notice either and that like it really is good that like i mean as much as army hammer is army hammer in this movie and like that whole documentary really looms over and everything that he did looms over this movie they do a pretty good job of trying like to show that like you're more suspicious of the other people for most of the movie, even though I'm always suspicious of him the whole movie. I was like, that's just coming. But then I was like, maybe not. Maybe they really just cut him out because they're like, fuck it. We're not going to have him in this. I don't even care if he's the villain in the book. Like, we're going to cut him out. I don't know. But he was like kind of gone for a while. So I kind of almost forgot about him. Him being gone was a big part of why I was suspicious of him. Because like, yeah, he's just gone for so long. I think the other thing is I think I am I was overcompensating from the first movie where everyone is involved in the killing mm-hmm. i was like there's no way they're gonna do that twice so it's gonna be one person and so i just zeroed in on army hammer exactly i know it's like he's like the number one suspect but then it is like i think the great twist really just comes that it was all her idea and mm-hmm. that it was like really fucking smart honestly it was a very smart decision not decision. I mean, it ultimately didn't work out for them. And I love that they end up, she kills both of them with the gun through the heart. Mm-hmm. Like she talked about earlier. It's just a really like emotional movie that I did, was not expecting. I feel like it's, it's, it's a very like romantic tragedy. Yeah. It's very much more like a Romeo and Juliet, whereas the first one was also a bit of a tragedy. And also like, it's weird. I think, I like the first one because it's like one of those one of the only murder mysteries where you're like, oh, the guy who died is actually the bad guy. Like, you're (laughs) not. It's like all the killers are like the heroes. They're the good guys that killed him because he's a bad guy. So it's like a kind of total weird, like flip of the genre. Mm -hmm. And so in this movie, I was like, I really enjoyed that there was still a good twist because I felt like, oh, if it's Army Hammer, they really should have 
fucking CGI'd over him. Because like if I was like when he is turned out to be the killer at first, because they do, they reveal him first, I was like, well, of fucking course. Like we all knew. I don't know how he did it, but I knew he was fucking guilty. <laughs> <laughs> there is one thing that I want from this movie. We'll never get it. But I want an interview with Gal Gadot because she got she had to get pretty like physical and close and intimate with him in this with Army Hammer in this movie. And I just want to like so we just check on her, make sure just, she's all right. You OK, what was what was it like learning <laughs> that all that stuff happened? She might not have been surprised, I yeah. would think. And same with Emma Mackey, because she's also getting down and dirty with him. They're basically fucking on the dance floor at the beginning. And his hands are all over both of them. But like him and Gal Gadot, they literally are like fucking is what it looks like. Well, like when they go to the temple. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like hiding out and they're like getting ready to fuck at the temple, which is a weird thing. To I agree. Do. Very strange. That's that's some like rich people shit that I I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, but I've never fucked at a temple, Jace. <laughs> but like yeah like she like backs up into him and she's like do me doggy right here in the temple in mm -hmm. the, the house of worship i wanted to ask you though kind of related to that scene so there's the rock that falls and almost hits them and then at the end we find out that cousin the the whatever the cousin's name is andrew he's the one who did that i didn't totally understand why you like you like I, he he was embezzling he was yeah. he was stealing money so he's like trying to basically make it so that she wouldn't notice it or no one would notice it and like if she died it would all just be like he could redraw the estate or whatever the fuck to make it like kind of cover up his shit i think is what it was if he had to get her a permission to sign this thing and he tried to sneak it to her but she said no because the other people were like, you should pay attention to that shit. Yeah. And then he's like, fuck, she's going to find this out then if she's going to look over this or anything else. So I got to just kill her. <laughs> OK, so he did try to kill her. And then he was super like, I'm glad I missed y'all. Okay. I couldn't have done it. And it's like, <laughs> OK, well, because I would never do that. I'm like, well, you did try. I think <laughs> attempted murder is pretty close. Like if you've attempted it, you might end up one day actually doing it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Thank you. I was I was trying to make sure I understood that correctly. There was like two. There was two parts in this movie where I'm like, well, that's a little weird. It was that scene, and then it was also when Jackie shows up on the boat, and they're like, she she can be here. She bought a ticket. I was like, wait. I thought they they like rented the whole boat. Yeah. So it's like, did they rent the whole boat or did they just buy all the tickets? And Jackie bought a ticket before. <laughs> I think that they probably just like, I don't know. I mean, obviously like, we got to get Jackie on the boat. Simon. Somehow. Yeah. I mean, they got to do some sneaky shit, but I was like, whatever. I don't care. Um, as long as she's on here, the drama continues. So I was happy. And also I was <laughs> fuck this bitch. She deserves to die. Kind of like Johnny Depp. As much as I love him, I was like, you know, his character, he's a child murderer. That guy deserves to fucking die. <laughs> like, you don't feel as bad. This one, she wasn't as bad, but... Yeah. Weird fact I just want to bring up before we finish is... Uh, and I know Johnny Depp, like, has gone through his trial and everything's different now, but, like, he was canceled right after Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess it was before this movie came out, but Army Hammer was canceled right before... And rightfully so. And I'm like, whoever plays the villain in the third one coming out right now, better fucking watch their back. <laughs> yeah. Like, you better not hope you've been up to some shit because it's 
it kind of seems like a curse on these movies. That's I I not thought about that. You're right. Uh, God, if something happens to Michelle Yeoh, I'm I'm ending it. I'm done. <laughs> I, I can't handle. I can't for, handle it. For I've sure. invested so much of my soul. <laughs> into... She goes down. I'm fucking going down with the ship. <laughs> I don't care. I'm an. I don't want to live in a world where that is true. And I agree with you. But I'm just saying, there's no way that she's gonna be the villain. I don't know who it is. But either way, they better fucking make sure their shit's up to snuff. Because like. If you have any fucking skeletons in your closet, I feel like if you're a villain in this movie, it's bound to come out. I don't know what it is. Maybe Kenneth Branagh is like part of some like secret society exposing shit. Although the Johnny Depp thing is not exactly the same as Army Hammer, I know. But it's just weird that the two guys who played the technical villains of both movies were both like canceled right after the movie came out or right before. It's a little too coincidental. I mean, like, I'm just being a good detective here. You know, I think Poro would be proud. All right, everyone. No more murders. No more mysteries. At least for now. I'm sure we'll come back to it. But we are actually doing a little change of plans because when me and Renee were planning out this month, we both just totally forgot that... um, There's a week that Renee's out of town because she's going to a wedding. So we're pulling the e-brake, running an audible. This is the perfect opportunity for me to talk about one of my favorite movies from last year. It's a wild one. We're talking about RRR. And while Renee's out, I have my buddy Matt who's going to be joining me. He's the perfect person to talk about this movie with because he's the one who told me about it. It is a Indian epic. That's the only way I can describe it. But it's wonderful. It is three hours. So make sure you just plan when you want to watch that. But it's on Netflix. And (laughs) it's going to be a great conversation. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, If you are going through the Saw franchise with us, head on over to YouTube. That's where we're posting them. We just posted uh, Saw 2. I think Saw 3. So we're plowing through these as we make our way to the release of Saw 10. But that's it for this week. So take care, and we will see you next week on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We're out here.